I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody man! We will strive for the deoccupation of the Let me put it to you. Can't just grow, can't grow. Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? The World Cup is starting and already it's ruined because Qatar is the most stupid, unsuitable place in the world for a football tournament. It would have made more sense if FIFA had announced the 2022 World Cup will be held in space. And Gary Neville would be going, the Dutch centre-back is hopelessly out of position. He's floated off towards the moon and that gives him no chance to cut out the cross. Now, he's lucky the ball didn't cross the line as the goal has drifted off towards Venus, but they have to sort this out in the second half. With Roy Keane going, he's been out muscled by the asteroid. You you don't withdraw as if you let the asteroid get parcel like that. If FIFA were in charge of Eurovision, they'd award the Eurovision Song Contest to a Trappist monastery. And now the Swedish entry, Jag har tappet mit apple. Oh, what a wonderful effort from the lovely Swedes. <laughs> so, the World Cup is in November rather than the summer when it's meant to be, where it's always been, because summer in Qatar is a billion degrees. So the players have had no time together. There are very few fans. There's no excitement, no flags or stickers or World Cup songs or festivities. But never mind, because Qatar offered the most money. It's as if Christmas was awarded to the Taliban as they made the highest bid. So it was moved to April and beer would only be allowed in the Hilton would cost £80 for a pint. And presents would still be given, but instead of Santa, they'd be delivered by Osama bin Laden. And David Beckham would be hired for £10 million to present the human face of the jihad. Now, the regime in Qatar is prepared to spend this money because it has such a reputation of being an appalling regime. So FIFA might as well have gone the whole way and the winner of each game was just whoever paid the most money. And the commentators would say, Plucky Ecuador put up a good fight by offering $50 million. But in the end, the class of Saudi Arabia shone through as they put up three oil fields and a golden palace. So they get three more points and win Group B as champions, and now they go on to face Elon Musk in the knockout stage. It's also well known that the country depends on foreign labourers, who have no rights and whose passports are often confiscated when they arrive. So we'll probably find out that instead of normal goals, Qatar has saved money by tying some labourers together with gaffer tape, and some poor sod from Egypt will be paid £2 a day to stretch out as the crossbar. Harry Kane, however, is wearing a One Love LGBT armband in Qatar 
and is prepared to be fined. This is a marvellous gesture, but they should go further. The team should walk out to Ricky Martin's Living La Vida Loca and at kick-off, Jordan Pickford should turn the goal into a cage and stand inside lip-syncing to a medley of Taylor Swift songs for the whole of the first half. And instead of a water break during each half, they should insist on an amyl nitrate break and the substitutes should be RuPaul and a team of his drag queens. And then at last... There will be some genuine interest in the World Cup. The decision to hold the World Cup in Qatar has come in for a lot of criticism and we were hoping to talk to the president of FIFA, Gianni Infantino. But fortunately, he's out with desert-induced heat stroke. So instead, to give us his thoughts, here's deceased Yorkshire cricketer Fred Truman. Well, I mean, they're, they're making a fuss now saying this is a ridiculous World Cup football in the desert or whatever. I don't know. I mean, in my day, we had proper ridiculous World Cups. <laughs> we had a sword-fighting World Cup in an airship. Ooh, I mean, the, the opening match was between Uruguay and Switzerland. I mean, they ripped the thing to shreds. They just punched it everywhere. I mean, <laughs> they ended up plummeting to a car park in Moscow. But, I mean, <laughs> they didn't complain. I mean, ooh, I mean, then we had a bobsleigh World Cup uh, that Sepp Blatter awarded to East Anglia. Ooh, I mean, in 1962, I mean, the Norwegians won in a time of six years and five months. And uh, the, the Belgian team's still there. But, I mean, they never grumble. I mean, that generation didn't. I mean, it's not like now. I mean, oh, I don't know. I mean, we had a cricket World Cup in the Caribbean Sea. I mean, <laughs> one lad, Blinky Nichols, marvellous bowler. I mean, he managed to get the ball to bounce underwater. I mean, he, ooh, I mean, he caused terrible problems for the batsman. I mean, and then he was eaten by a tiger shark who swallowed him whole. And, I mean, Blinky just waited until the sharks swallowed the batsman as well. And then they carried on <laughs> playing inside the shark. I mean, Blinky took three for 23 of the 11 overs. I mean, we got to the semi-final, but, I mean, uh, the two of them were spat out again in pieces. I mean, uh, neither of them ever mentioned it again. I mean, who didn't in those days? But, I mean, the youngsters now, I mean, they'd refuse to play in conditions like that. I mean, oh, the agents would be wanting the sponsor's name over the shark's fin or some such. I don't know. I say, give up. Go on then, Mark. Introduce me. I'm going to introduce Jenny. I'm going to introduce you in, in classic uh, what-the-fuck fashion. Nobody can possibly, possibly even entertain the idea of working out what the fuck is going on. Normally, I say without expert advice, but I'm not going to say that today. Today, I'm going to say without Jenny Eclair. It's not possible. And It's not possible. It's not luck- without me sticking my nose in. <laughs> No, and here she is, as luck would have it, helping yeah. us discover what the... Now, we were going to talk, as you know, about uh, a subject that you're, which is the very reason we asked you to come on. The World Cup starting, oh, and yeah. we were going to talk to you I'm about... Because yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were going to talk to you about which midfield formation might suit, uh, might suit England better, particularly against some of the African nations. But we're not going to discuss that right now. We because go off east. We're going to go off piste. Where have you just been? Right, up um, to Lytham, as you should do, because that's yeah, where you hail from. That's where, well, I'm sort of brought up there. I'm not, wasn't born there, Mark. I can't compete with you when it comes to sort of exotic backgrounds, uh, when it comes to no. family and, and all that sort of, I haven't got a book in me about my past. Sometimes <laughs> I think, oh God, I'm really quite angry. My father was a part-time spy, but I'm not allowed to talk about it because he signed <gasps> the Official Secrets Act. 
Um, I, That's not bad. It's not bad, but I don't know anything because he was a good spy. And he kept most. Of, he was a bit hush hush about things. Um, but I don't have a very exciting past. But my mother is still alive. Just before we came on air, um, I'm kind of in recovery now. I'm not going out of the house for a couple of days because. I've been traveling extensively. Um, I've been up to see my mother and I thought my mother was kind of of a world beating age, but she hasn't come anywhere close to your mother. I'm slightly cross with my own mother now, but only being 93. And as I told her, when she was 90, I phoned her up on her 90th birthday and I said, how do you feel? She said, well, I've beaten Tom Wolfe because he just died. Um, and I thought, well, that's very good. And it was more or less the last sane thing she said, because oh. I know uh, it was uh, during the lockdown, you know, that first lockdown of 2020. Mm. And she was doing very well, Mark. She was, um, you know, what we all want to be, which is um, independent at 90. And she don't just stop driving, mind you, that I've been touch and go for a couple of years. Well. Really, I should have taken the car keys <laughs> off her about three years previously. But there we go. Now, here's a thing with my... with. With my mum, and I find this very frustrating because I think my mum is absolutely clueless. And people go, "Oh well, she's up," but she's honestly, she is no different other than she's frail <laughs> physically. So I think that in her life, I I, I still think this. Uh, in her life, I reckon she's eaten nine things: uh, chicken, cabbage, right. potato, lettuce, tomato, corned beef, Heinz sponge pudding. Tinned fruit, angel delight. I reckon that's it. And I uh, and so she's and just. Yet, how old is she, Mark? How old is she? She's, she's ninety-eight. She has found you know, there are these fad <laughs> diets and the Sunday Times doing this, this, and what yeah, you should yeah, yeah, yeah. eat for a healthy long life. Yeah. And the art, of course, the solution, the answer is in a Heinz tinned sponge pudding yeah, with some tinned exactly. fruit, maybe some carnation milk on top. Yeah. <laughs> Um, exactly. I mean, uh, my mother has completely lost it. Most of the time she thinks she's oh. just com- come back from France. But she did no. get into because I had my daughter with me. And uh, we we have this photo album. We go through the photo album and this and try and trigger yeah. conversations that she will get a handle on. And, and often it is food. I mean, food is, I mean, it is the constant in all our lives, isn't it? And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. what will trigger maybe a memory. And I, I, for some reason, I got onto puddings. I said, oh, you, there were two. Two puddings, two special puddings you did. You were very good at a trifle. Right. There three puddings, actually. Trifle, a lemon meringue pie, and a charlotte russe. And at the, just the, <laughs> the word charlotte russe, it triggered something. And she turned to my daughter and she said, sponge fingers, that's what you need for a charlotte russe. And she mimed putting sp- charlotte russe fingers round oh. a tin. Uh, and then she lost it completely. But there are well, she's it, a, she's ahead of me, Jenny, because I have no idea what a Charlotte Russe is. To get back onto the your previous topic that we were going to talk about, but we haven't, and I don't think because I'm clueless about it, obviously. Um, let me just hold on. There's a ringing noise. Oh, it's just in my ear. <laughs> Let's not worry about it. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, oh, God, does this happen in your the... show? Sorry, before we get onto the football, yeah. this is, I'm finding that, I'm starting to say this now in shows. I've started to think, because my audience is, is getting older with me, yeah, yeah. and I'm finding now, oh, references to think, what was, I was last night, I was at the Blackie Falls, which I know you know, and yeah. oh, Dear the ref, I was starting talking about sort of things in the sixties and things that people knew and all these references. And I think this is why no one who's under 
70 comes to my shows. Absolutely. I've more or less, I've got a gig left on Monday at the Duchess. I might as well get that in. When is this coming out, this podcast? Uh, Friday night. Friday night, very useful. Uh, not really, actually, because I don't think our, our demographics really have much of a, 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 a Venn <laughs> diagram. But there will be. There was some oldies that if you find yourself passing the Duchess Theatre in uh, the West End, it's a tiny, lovely little West End theatre. But I'm squatting on the stage of, you know, the show that, go, the show that goes wrong. That's in there all oh, yeah. the time. And they have Monday nights off anywhere. I'm in, I'm in there on uh, Monday. But I, that will oh, be my last gig of the year, Mark, because I don't think my audiences want to come out of a night time now. We're in such an age where... I know that they sort of think, oh, I'd quite like to go and see Jenny, but oh, it's dark, isn't it cold? I have seriously started thinking about the prospect of them, the possibility of asking to do matinees, Sunday afternoon, Saturday and Sunday afternoon wow. matinees, and then <laughs> fuck off home after, get indoors yeah. for, for Strictly. I know. Well, well also, also, I think with a lot of my audience, if I... If I did shows in January and February, which meant I'm coming out in the cold, yeah. I think I'd kill 40% of my audience off in one winter. <laughs> I mean, it's, the, the, it's me as well. I'm thinking, oh, it's, it, oh, it's dark and it's cold. Uh, I mean, touring is tough. Touring is tough from about when the clocks go back, when the clocks go back and then all of a sudden yeah, you just yeah. live in the dark all the time. It's really hard work. So the footballs, there's a lot of hoo-ha about the football. Um, and yeah. I know that, that now David Beckham is in trouble, isn't he? And Joe Lysett yes. is thinking about burning. Uh, it's not a, it's not KLFing it. It's not a million quid, is it? It's 10 grand. Yeah. He's going to shred 10 grand if David Beckham doesn't change his mind. Yes, I suspect you'll be shredding that 10 grand. <laughs> That's what I'm, it's, it's I a shame, isn't the it? chances of David Beckham going, Oh, yeah, have you seen that thing going around the internet, Victoria? Yeah. It's really made me have second thoughts second about thoughts. our attitudes. Yeah. It's not Are you happen, going to watch it, it Mark? Because I know you like the sport, and I think you're probably a bit conflicted about this one, aren't you? Well, that's absolutely right. I, uh, uh, I am very conflicted about it. It's so easy for me. It's so easy for me because I couldn't give a shit. So I don't, I don't have that conflict in my life where I think, oh, God, I shouldn't be watching this match. Fuck, hold on, Mark. I've just got a cramp. I've got a cramp in my leg. <laughs> I had to unfold oh, then. no. Like, We're going to have to have our own radio. We should have our own radio station where it's just like this all the time. Good morning. It's Monday. Oh, oh, oh first, no, 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 no. Don't take, no, 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 no. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Let's be back. Be back. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So the first record. Ah, oh, no, it's gone again. It's, <laughs> first twinge of the day. And today is twinge of the day. day. That'll be it. And now, and now, yeah, and now it's 10 to 8. So over to Jen. Right, we'll do it. Right. So now it's 10 to 8. Okay. And that means over to Jenny for okay. Twinge can of the Day. You, okay, can you hear this one? Do you know what that is? <laughs> that is my knee, my left knee popping back into its knee socket because what's happened to me is that I have now, um, I have a slight hypermobility, which I've had since childhood, which is, I haven't got the really, really bendy one like some people have, but I have sort of quite advanced flexibility. And when you're young, you think, oh, I'm, old, I'm marvellous, I'm so bendy. Uh, and then as you get older, oh, well, you, your joints start slipping out the sockets and you have to, they have to click back in. So I have this thing with my knee now and again where I straighten my leg and my knee 
fucking hurt. It fires like a rocket. Um, and it's a shooting pain. It's back in and I can walk again. It's fine. It's absolutely no, I, don't, I, don't why, I don't know why, but that list of ailments was funny. I don't know why. My, my health takes up a lot of my time these days. Uh, I, you know, I could list my ailments alphabetically if I really thought about it. And it, there, is, there is possibly the whole range from A to Z, you know. But uh, a lot of dry skin. Nobody ever tells you how oh, drying. Oh, God, you've got to have an X-Wonders. Oh, well, your x-rays on yeah. a, a Z one, zebra allergy. Then it turns out I'm allergic to zebras, which is, which is handy because I've got to go right through the alphabet. The, so my mum, 98, and she drives me fucking mad. She doesn't, she's just got no, no, she'd go, why don't you pop up? And of course you've got, because you live 150 fucking miles away. That's why I can't, but you can't say that. And then I, I did say this. Now, is this a good or bad thing to say? I don't know. You tell me. I was saying to someone the other day, I was saying, there's no point in me trying to get sympathy by moaning about me mum because all people hear is she's 98. Yeah, now, absolutely. when a Nazi war criminal is captured <laughs> and they're 98, people go, oh, hang him, what? No, but they don't know, do they? They go, what's the point in going after them now? They're 98. And so if people have sympathy, if people yeah. go, go like that when they've been a guard at Treblinka, I've got fuck all chance of getting yeah, any you've got sympathy, no haven't I? I'm less she... sympathetic about the Nazi, <laughs> the Nazi nonagenarians than some are. I, I'm still hunting down, to be quite honest. You know, yeah, make I sure... would. I'm I make sure they were yeah. in a really, really shit nursing home, I, you know, with, uh, and, and left in soiled sheets and stuff like that. I'd make yeah, it quite miserable And if they had them, dementia, yeah. then you could play games with them, do experiments with them. You could come in and say, "Say this is your, this is your child, and it's a dog or something," you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that, really that, we're, we're getting dark now. Oh, we're straying into very dark, <laughs> dark and bleak territory where this is nursing home for non-agenarian Nazi war, Nazis. Nazi yeah. war criminals, dementia. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a subject that's not covered often enough Absolutely. on RFM. On, on <laughs> oh, God in heaven. Anyway, there on, we go. On the one show. Well, tonight we're con- we're going to talk about the growing problem of, of dementia amongst <laughs> Nazi war criminals. <laughs> <laughs> there's a well, sitcom in this. there's a sitcom isn't yeah. it there, there would be in the 1970s they'd have thought that was quite palatable for a sitcom <laughs> anyway there we go I'll, li- I'll leave I'll leave you to write that one anyway what are you up to at the moment what's what's what is your workload at the moment well, I'm supposed to be doing some. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. I'm doing. I'll be doing another in town series next year, which I always look forward to. And yeah. then I, I'm doing this, and then I write an article every week in the Sunday Mirror. And then I'm going to be doing a new live show, which I'm going to try and write a whole load of new funny things. And I've been going around the country quite a bit. Stoke. I'm going up to Stoke on Wednesday. God, I'm aware of this. I'm I'm doing exactly what we're saying. I'm going to Stoke, to Stoke. on Wednesday. Do I like Stoke? The potteries. Yeah, I would do the potteries. Yeah, oh, because you like pot. You like pot. I said you like pots, don't you? The pots, the teapot. Oh, Christ, it's hard work being us, isn't it? Sometimes I have to, that's why I have to nap in the afternoon. I just get so bored of myself. And, you know, oh, no, is this going to be, going to be like, we have to take a nap during the show. Absolutely. 20 minutes I- in. Oh, anyway, well, that's, oh, I'm worn off my feet. Yeah. <laughs> if I said, right, what we're doing, we're going to do 20 minutes stand up, then we're all having a sandwich. And then we'll start again. And then 15 minutes after that, uh, it's either nap or lavatory break. It's up to you. It's what, you know, 
I mean, I don't like to talk about fecal impaction on a on a podcast, but a year ago, Mark, just to finish off this bit, I had an operation. Well, I mean, marvelous because it's given me twenty minutes of conversation on a train. And what they, what they, I mean, they tell you, they warn you, but I'm not listening. They give you a load of painkillers, don't they? Mm. Um, they're opioids. Mm. Be careful with the opioids. Anyway, I'm shoveling the opioids down, and when they say they might make you a bit bunged up. I got fecal impaction. I've never known pain like it. I've absolutely never known pain like it. What is it? I don't. I know more it's, know it, what that is than a shower okay. loose. Okay. Okay. Are they connected? Right, well, oh God in heaven! No, really. <laughs> fecal impaction is when you are so constipated you think you might die. And it's it, it. You get into a situation in your own bathroom where um you have to you you have to intervene with. <laughs> With, with something you have to get, basically have to get your own shit out in one way or another because otherwise you will die it's it's singularly i mean it, it's like giving Ooh. birth to a cannonball without any gas and air it was the most it was the most petrifying thing in the world so if you're it sounds if, horrible yeah it's horrible it's nothing to do with charlotte roost just don't get those two things confused <laughs> <laughs> doctor i think i've got a i think i've got a touch of charlotte roosts anyway yeah and i've got but you know luckily the sponge fingers are soft yeah, listen. It's it's a it's a situation that I never want repeating. It's singularly one of the worst no. things that's happened oh, to me in God my life. Oh, God, Jenny. Well, I'm glad that's yeah. yeah the I'm operation that's, was, that's resolved. was quite good fun, though. I I did enjoy that. I mean, I think the last time I was probably relaxed. I was under anaesthetic. I mean, it is <sighs> nice to sort of just have nothing to worry about for about five hours, just to be unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. There you go. And on that note, on that note, is there, any, is there anything else you'd like to ask? I'd, I'd quite like a little bit of a general anaesthetic for the afternoon. <laughs> I think I think we've covered most of the major news stories. Good, good, good. I'm glad. I I'm think, glad. You know, yes. I mean, uh, um, obviously, the most important thing is the the dramatic impact of the uh of inflation on the economy in the middle east and i think we've gone through most of that i think we've covered that <laughs> sorted well. that out <laughs> and also i think you know i hope gareth southgate's listening that'll certainly give him some ideas of whether to use his wing backs as part of a flat five yep. or whether Food to have them thought, pushing up gareth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right thank you are you so much. it's an absolute thank pleasure so to catch that was absolutely brilliant thank you jenny Akira. it's a pleasure oh, where are you going? Where are you going? Um, what are your matinees? Um, for, I'm not doing any matinees. That was in my head, Mark. That was what I want to do next year. I'm doing the Duchess Theatre on Monday night um, at 7.30. Nice early start. Everybody out of the theatre by 9.30. <laughs> uh, if the buses are running well, you could be home by 10. All right? Can't say better than that. Lots of love to everybody. Lovely to talk to you and see you again another time. Thank you. Shall I go now? I'll go now. Bye-bye. There was bad news this week with forecasts of a recession that will leave the poorest sections of society worse off than ever, but not everybody is sympathetic to their problems, especially this woman who I heard on a phone-in show. 
Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy, sick of it. All these people swanning off to the food bank expecting to get handouts. We should be tougher on them, like they are in Australia. If you want food there, you have to crawl through a doll's house full of scorpions and find some yellow stars. I saw it on the television. And they don't get luxuries like tins of beans and a digestive. They get giant maggots and a bowl of wallaby sperm. That's how we should treat them, Jeremy. See how hungry they are then. Someone said, it's a TV show. When they finish, they get sent back over here. I said, oh, that's typical. Then I have to feed boy George and Chris Moyles. Where am I going to find an ostrich bollock? I suppose I'll have to put Mike Tyndall on my settee, will I? Look at the size of him. He'll break all the springs. And I'll have that Sean Walsh cackling to himself in the kitchen. But because they've come from abroad, I have to just put up with it. They can do whatever they like. Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy. Sick of it. What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. And it is as ever because of you that we could continue our vital quest to find out what the fuck is going on. If you would like to join these wonderful, virtuous, radiant people for as little as £2 a month, just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. And if you really, really want to know what's going on, absolutely the details of it all, for just £4 a month, you'll get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended interviews and bonus sketches. This week, there's Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chisler's Tortellini with another remarkable revelation about Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. And you'll be able to take part in Ask Me Anything sessions, which I'll be giving more details of in a minute, where you, you could just ask me anything. What greater award can there be in life than that and you will get it on friday nights that's the whole podcast not just the ask me anything things uh unlike everyone else will have to wait until saturday mornings uh bless them so go to www.patreon.com and type in what the f is going on to join the wtf community as i believe it is now officially registered with unesco now, podcastees, a few announcements. These are absolutely vital in life. They are the, the thing that I know as a bane of so many people's existence is that you can't go anywhere without uh, uh, announcements. But first of all, a little bit of feedback on the Notorious Kettering gig. So there was quite a lot of people came in the end to lovely Kettering. Um, Kettering and Corby is the place where I find the, the most wonderful rivalry of any two towns in Britain. I think it puts, uh, well, I was once, and I've said this before, I was in Corby looking for books to do an in-town show and a bloke showed me round the library, complete stranger. Uh, oh, you might like this one, Mark. And at, at the end, I said, thank you, mate. That's so kind. And he went, yeah, we are kind here. Not like those bastards in Kettering. And then I find that they're all like that. Uh, they just hate each other. I mean, it's just, blimey, if you could sort that out, I should think uh, Israel and Palestine would be a doddle. But Dave the Rave 127 on Twitter says, I would have gone, but wasn't sure there would have been any tickets available. Very funny, Dave. Well, you missed out, didn't you? David Kelsall 
uh, says, uh, with regards to what the fuck is going on in Kettering, uh, there must have been a surge in ticket sales. Ooh, uh, it was a really good show. Thank you very much. Well worth the trip. Who the fuck is the Duke of Buccleuch? Now, this came about because I was talking about the way the aristocracy works, which is that you get caught. I've said this before. Right? You get caught sometimes. You think, um, oh, right, the Duke of Devonshire must be something to do with Devon or the something like that. The Duke of Bed. Bedford, must know about Bedford. They must rule Bedford. So, of course, they're nothing to do with it. They just, their ancestors came over with the Normans and they just happened to own the place, etc. For example, I've said, I found out when I was looking through a list of prime ministers when I was young that in Victorian times there was a Lord Liverpool who was prime minister. And I remember finding that quite peculiar because, of course, I was thinking there was something to do with Liverpool, which, of course, they weren't. And I'd say, you know, he wasn't stood outside Downing Street all day going, fucking hell, I'm the Prime Minister, eh? What about that? You don't, I wouldn't have thought that, would you? I tell you what, they keep a copper outside all day long. You think I'm going to nick the paintings, mate, don't you? You don't trust me? Fuck off, mate. I'm only joking. You've got to have a joke with your Prime Minister. Come here, mate. You've got to have a laugh. So, I was making that point, which isn't made often enough in the senior echelons of our uh, constitution. And uh, various people shouted out about, because I was saying, is there a Lord Kettering or a Lord, you know, are there anything around there? And someone said the Duke of Buccleuch. Now, the Duke of Buccleuch surely is Scottish, I said, and the good people of Kettering became most animated about this, and they all shouted out, the Duke of Buccleuch is from Kettering, is it to do with Kettering? And uh, uh, now I'm going from memory again. I looked it up, and the the Duke of Buccleuch does live in Boughton Hall, I think it is, on the edge of Kettering. So these fuckers, what? not only is the Duke of Buccleuch very, very, very Scottish and Edinburgh-y, I think, but somehow they just bought up a bit of Kettering, a huge stately home, and just moved. not even had the decency to change their name to the Duke of Kettering. Just, oh, I'm from, I'm from Buccleuch, and I'm going to own the whole of the outskirts of Kettering, if, if you will. So, uh, anyway, I was educated uh, as to the Duke of Buccleuch by the people of Kettering. That's what that's a reference to. Now, uh, up Coming show. I'm doing Derby. That's the first one on the the new shows I've got. Derby on. I think it's the fourth of February. So there we are. Not long to that. Uh, what better Christmas? When people say that, what a load of bollocks. What better Christmas? What better Christmas present can there be than two tickets to buy someone a couple of tickets to see my show in Derby? There are millions of better presents than that, aren't there? A caravan. A a fucking fitted kitchen. A bloody landscaped garden a a trip to bangkok nonetheless it would suffice as a present to get two tickets to see me in derby unless you live in bangkok in which case all you're doing is buying someone a big bloody nightmare going on the internet trying to get flights also we are going to be doing another ask me anything sessions we did one a little while ago and a lot of you uh, joined in with that and sent various questions to do with music and political things and a whole range of subjects about which i know nothing and so the next one will be on monday the 12th of december and i'm going to try and get elliot to stay in for that and see if he can be grumpy for all of that if you'd like to take part 
All you have to do is become one of our Patreon supporters for £4 or more a month and you'll be able to ask me any, absolutely anything. Just, yeah, filthy. Uh, that's Monday the 12th of December and I will give you more details nearer the time. I'll give you more details of which date Monday the 12th of December is going to be, for example. Uh, also, people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. So, Ben Miller. Oh, I wonder if that's Ben Miller, the famous actor. Uh, on pa- I'm sorry, Ben Miller, if you're not the famous actor, because you must think, oh, Jesus Christ, the one time I thought I could say my name and not be- have people think I'm him. But, Ben... You ask, what do you make of the Joe Lysett-David Beckham standoff? Well, I think Joe Lysett has become (laughs) the most marvellous human being. Well, he always was, but he's become renowned as the most marvellous human being. For people who don't know, Joe Lysett has most brilliantly, in his very sort of uh, very calm way, protested about uh, about about David Beckham taking... 10 million quid from the Qatari government to promote the government during the uh, during the World Cup. And Joe Lysett has said, I'm going to uh, shred £10,000 uh, in a sort of symbol of your reputation being shredded, Mr. Beckham, if you don't um, if you don't reject this. Now, whether David Beckham, as I, as, I don't know, I think we were saying this to Jenny. I don't know. It is quite possible he'll go, oh, Victoria wants me to do it. But on the other hand, I'm a big fan of Joe Lysett. I, I really liked him on 8 out of 10 cats. And it seems a shame to upset him. So I'm going to ring the Emir of Qatar and tell him I'm not going. And to be honest, we can we can watch the games at home, Victoria, and listen to Gary Neville's punditry instead. Neil Munro on... I hope he does do that. Neil Munro on Patreon asks, When you are watching the football, the attacking team gets a free kick or a corner. And as the ball is hit, some arsehole in the crowd always shouts, Away! Why? Because the defending side are not going to do anything or what? I know. I, but I think this is in the defence of people. I've done that. You know, you go, your team is sort of defending and you go, clear it. Now you're doing it. It's a sort of instinctive thing, isn't it? To be honest, Neil, I don't think people are doing it to advise the defending team that the best course of action would be to clear the ball. Something that I think is unforgivable. Oh, here's a the thing. There was a bloke many years ago, because people do go to the football to shout. Many years ago, when my son Elliot was about six, I would sit with him <laughs> in the upper Holmesdale stand at Crystal Palace. And there was a bloke who sat about six seats away from me. And three or four times at random moments during the game, not connected at all to anything that had happened, he would just go, Grant! And I, I don't know who it was aimed at. I've no idea. And then usually one out of the four times, he'd see Elliot sat next to me. <laughs> and he'd go, he'd lean across and go, sorry, Mark, I didn't see your boy was there. Sorry, I wouldn't have done it if it weren't for that. So <laughs> I don't know why people shout things at football. Uh, it would keep an army of shrinks very busy, I think. Hey, 
Now, as anybody knows who's ever even tried to find out what the fuck is going on, especially in these turbulent times, you need expert advice from across the generations. And we have someone with us, very luckily, who I bred specially for this purpose, 26 and a bit years ago. Not quite the youth he once was, but still very young. Elliot Steele. Hello. Hello. You feeling like full of expertise today? Very much so. What, what are we talking about? See, this is the level of enthusiasm that I just find so inspiring from from the youth. Like, this is sort of um, is this when when your generation is in charge of like of of television politics and things? That's what is that what the, it's going to be like in uh, parliament, uh, um, parliamentary um, um, questions? Is it not the case? And then the prime minister will go, "What are we talking about today?" Well, I'm I'm sorry. I've got to go write the fucking radio series that we're doing. People think that I get everything because <laughs> it's nepotism, and then I turn up and you're not there to write the fucking thing because you're here doing this. Yeah. So I've well, I've yeah. got to go into the offices and do it, and yeah. then before and last night I was digging till about. I did I did three spots last night. I was at, three. Was at, um, yeah, I was at Four Thieves in Clapham, and then I did two shows at Top Secret. Fucking hell, that's like the Industrial Revolution version of comedy. Yeah, so I and then I <laughs> we, we had a bloke used to have a bloke come round at at five in the morning, tap the windows, and you had to get up and you had to start being funny by quarter to yeah. six in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, that is what's happening. And because I've got up and you went, oh, by the way, we have to do the podcast. And I went, is there any chance we can do it tomorrow? And you went, no. So now I'm, now I am, I'm sorry to the listeners, but I am on this reluctantly today. I am, I I, I don't really want to be doing this right now. I've got to go right. You can't say that. You've got to be, God, fucking hell, the idea when I was a kid, the idea that bloody Russ Abbott or Cannon and Ball had come out and go, oh, hello, how we doing today? Well, I don't want to be it, to be honest with you. I'd rather, you know, I, can, I was up till 10 last night. Well, I was up till about half mid- I didn't get back till midnight. Yeah, well, I, you know, I was in Blackheath Falls. There we are. That's what it's like, isn't it? I can, you're not going to get much sympathy from people. Oh, I'll tell you what, you know, <laughs> Maud, who works in the biscuit factory in Carlisle, you think you've got it, our dear. I was listening to what the fuck is going on. And Elliot Steele, he, he does three three eight-minute spots. And get then he the gets fuck in- out of here, three eight-minute spots. <laughs> The fuck off! <laughs> then he has to I go. Know, he has to get up this. again the next day and this. do another joke on a podcast. I'm not. Oh, I tell you what, you never realise when you're well off, do you? I'm quite happy now doing my 17-hour shift packing custard I was, creams. I was opening in Clapham, and then so that was 20 minutes. I had to go over. I then had to rush to Top Secret, which because of Southwestern trains, which should be very simple, was very right. difficult. Got there and literally had like three minutes to sort myself out. Had to close both shows. Had to close upstairs and downstairs. And upstairs, they did the thing where they were like to me, like, "Oh, hey, we're trying to get everyone of downstairs out here. So can you just stay on until the until the like what's in showbiz? It's it's known as the fuck off light comes on, like until this light comes so on. So you have to stay off. upstairs, entertaining people upstairs, so that the people from downstairs can leave in an orderly fashion. Yeah, yeah, but like you might, you so might. So you don't get a, a crush. Yes, basically. Is that what, what they're saying? 
Well, it's just so it doesn't cause chaos. So, like, the people from downstairs leave, and right. then, like, two minutes, once they're all gone, like, two, three minutes later, you can wrap up your show and leave. You wrap up the partners the, you, don't realise that, do they? The intricacies of running a comedy club. No, you've they got don't. a time. You've got to time the ending of the two different rooms. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, we had a right fucking. Imagine that in the nineteen seventies. We had a right fucking problem. Uh, you know, Ken Goodwin finished at the same time as Mick Miller in the other room. A fucking my, chaos it was. At Don Doncaster Empire, <laughs> they all they all clashed. They all started kicking off. It's my it's my favorite place in the world, top shooter. But they uh they um like it generally is my favorite club in the world, right? But they introduced this uh rule years ago. So like every now and then you turn up to a comedy club, right? And usually yeah. at most comedy clubs since I've been, I've been doing it nearly ten years, right? Ever you know most places you turn up and you can get they'll just give you a drink, or if you know someone on the bar, they'll just sort you drinks, like do, you yeah. know. Uh, but some places you'll turn up every now and then, and there's a drinks voucher, and you go, "All right, who fucked it?" But somebody oh. did something that they had to introduce a system. <laughs> so you go, okay, someone's done something here. But top, top secret, their, their thing was uh, Mark who run it, lovely Mark, used to just give you a fiver, right? It would go, there's a fiver, go get a drink from the bar. That was it. So right. it was just like, instead of a voucher, you get a fiver, go to the bar. What they didn't realize was uh, loads of the comics uh, are like sober or not drinking and stuff like that, some of them. So they were just going to Subway across the road and getting a sandwich with this fiver, thus taking the fiver <laughs> out of the club, meaning it ended up costing the club like hundreds of pounds a week because you have, you have like seven comics on a night there sometimes. So all take, all, Subway, <laughs> the, the head of Subway, there's somewhere somewhere in, in Los Angeles. Hey, the Subway right opposite in Covent Garden here, that's doing booming business. And it's all because of the comics from the top secret. Tell that right. I'll tell you what. You don't have to say who it was. Right. In fact, you can't say who it was. But tell that story about the junglers. junglers oh, the- I was thinking about this the other night. I, I think I know the one you're on about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're the one that we, ca- we can't say the person who it was because, yeah. you know. So, so the- uh, oh, 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 there's two There's two junglers ones, right? So there was this yeah. comic who used to, um, their trick was, sleazy fucking person, right? Their trick was, was, They'll do this gig at Jonglers. Jonglers were basically comedy clubs built up on uh, when I when I started. It all got the guy who ran and went to jail for fraud. Um, <laughs> they, they so they, they, by the time I started doing it, it was like there's no point doing it. And you'd get these comedians and be like, "Yeah, I'm owe three grand by him." And you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, right, no, by the it, time yeah, owe, yeah, it was like that." Yeah, right, by the time you're owed twelve hundred quid, like, do you know what I mean? That you're still gonna so. They they were doing these, but back in the day, this is how people paid their mortgages. You do Thursday, Friday, Saturday at like a jongler's mm. that up and down the country, and they'd get stags and hens in. And this one comic, uh, his trick was after the show, he'd get chatting to a girl, he'd go up to the bar, and he would go, "Can I get uh, a bottle of Bollinger, please?" The barman would, and he'd have arranged it with the barman beforehand. The barman would go, "I'm sorry, say his name, but." Uh, we haven't got any Bollinger. And he'll go, I'll tell you what, I've got a bottle of champagne in my room. Why don't we go back there? That was his trick to getting girls back to his room, right? It was pretty sleazy. So one night, and I've had this confirmed by the other, co- uh, one of the comics who was on, he, uh, they, they were all getting like, they all thought this was disgusting. So before the show, they all chipped in and bought a bottle of Bollinger and then told the barman, like, look, when he comes up and does this, uh, at some point this weekend, 
charge him how much we've had to pay for the Bollinger and then just give us that money back to us. So he goes up to the bar and he's like, oh, can I get a bottle of uh, a bottle of Bollinger, please? And the barman's like, yeah, that's 250 quid. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to stand there and pay his like, fee and a bit more for the show. <laughs> Have you ever have you ever heard have you ever heard I won't tell you who it was right there was a this is a one of me and my mate's favorite stories I think I think yeah someone I knew was in the car share of this right car share you'd like drive back from a gig they've all done this Jonglers gig I think it's like Jonglers Portsmouth or Jonglers Cardiff it was Jonglers Cardiff and it's fucking awful and this musical act went on at the end and bombed like dies as you do. And they're driving back and he's driving them back and he, ju- he just won't let it go that he's died. And everyone's like, yeah, man, he gives a fuck. He's junglers, you know what I mean? And they're dri- driving through these valleys of white, like this be- beautiful bit of like the West Country, uh, back to Liverpool, right? And they, they, he pulls over and then he, he just goes, I just need to go for a walk. And then I sat there for like two minutes and I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> and they walk out of the car and they find him with his guitar just sat on this fence overlooking this valley. And he's just strumming a guitar and he went, this is my jonglers. <laughs> oh, oh the, the tears of the clown. Thank you. We're going to talk about Shut Donald funny. Trump, but I'm there sure we Donald Trump will still be I've, with us. I've got a podcast, B-Tech Philosophers, if you want to hear me talk with comedians about some of these stories and bring people on like that. And I've also got a show about angel comedy on the 22nd of December, that's going to be brilliant. So come to that. Angel Comedy, 22nd of December? At 6.30. There you go. Fuck Christmas. Go that instead. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review um, because the, the secret police will be out making sure that you have if there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod and we will look at every message that you send if you would like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad free extended versions for as little as £2 a month please visit our Patreon page what the fuck is going on was hosted by me Mark Steele with my guests Jenny Eclair and Elliot Steele voices by Sarah Alexander it was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair music by Willie Dowling it was produced by Mike Benwell what the fuck is going on was brought to you by WTF Productions <laughs> <laughs>